Nominations for the Recognition of Excellence Awards are now open. Tell us why your community pharmacy colleagues deserve to win at roeawards.co.uk. Hello lovely listeners, we're back and looking at OTC conditions that you can support in the pharmacy. This month we kick off with something that's having a bit of a viral moment online at the minute, the ever glamorous earwax and what advice you can give to your customers. Then we turn our focus to accessibility and look at ways in which the pharmacy team can support those who may start to lose their hearing as they get older and ways in which you can also support your deaf and hard of hearing patients. So let's get to it. I'd like to welcome onto the podcast audiology advisor, Frankie Oliver from the Royal National Institute for Deaf People, otherwise known as the RNID, which is a national charity that supports the 12 million people in the UK who are deaf, have hearing loss or tinnitus. Hi Frankie, how are you doing? Hi Monica, I'm really good, thanks. Thanks for asking me to have a chat. No problem. Um, Could you tell us what an audiology advisor is and what you do at the RNID? Sure. So, um... I work at the moment in our expertise and policy team. So um, as a bit of background to me, I used to be an audiologist in the NHS. So um, basically I was helping people to um, diagnose any hearing loss, manage that hearing loss. Um, Audiologists also um, help people with uh, things like tinnitus and balance problems as well. Um, So I sort of bring all of that knowledge that um, I got working clinically and use that to inform uh, like all the information we give out, but also um, a lot of our campaigns that we do at RNID as well. Awesome. And thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I'm excited for you to share all of that knowledge with us and our listeners. Um, I think I'd like to start probably with earwax, which seems to be having quite a moment um, on social media. I've seen so many of those, quote, satisfying earwax removal videos. Um, So, yeah, that's where I'd like to start sort of why and how does earwax buildup occur and what are the consequences of this? Yeah, it really is having a moment at the moment, isn't it? I've seen videos of wax removal everywhere, which is quite strange coming from my profession. Um, But yeah, it's a great question. So it's probably worth explaining a little bit about how the ear canal works, first of all. So um, earwax is a normal substance and it's produced by tiny glands inside our ear canal. Um, And over time, the skin inside the ear actually kind of moves outwards towards the entrance of the ear canal. Um, And this is by something called the epithelial conveyor mechanism. And basically, this helps to remove dead skin cells, excess oil, wax, dirt, anything else that's managed to find its way into the ear. Um, And wax is a really important part of this process because it helps to trap anything that shouldn't be in there. Um, It's also got like antibacterial properties as well. So a little bit of wax is actually a really good thing and it's protective of our ears. However, there are some people that find that kind of wax builds up and then it blocks the ear canal, uh, which can cause quite a few problems for them. Um, And this buildup could be caused by a number of different factors. um, And these include, um, so some people simply produce quite a lot of earwax and we don't really know why. Um, Some people could have um, quite small or quite oddly shaped ear canals, which may stop wax moving out as easily. Um, 
the movement of the skin in the ear canal might not be enough so that little conveyor might not be working well as as well as it should um, and the type of wax you have can also kind of influence how likely you are to get kind of to get build up um, and this is actually determined by genetics so there are different types of wax so um, for some people it can be quite wet and sticky um, and some people it can be fairly dry and flaky which is really lovely information but it's it's true there are different types of earwax um, and then there are some people who are more likely to get earwax buildup. So these are people who are um, generally over 50. Um, I think the, the kind of the little epithelial conveyor me mechanism that slows down a bit as we get older. Um, if you're male, you're more likely to get wax buildup, um, especially if you're older, because you've got a bit more hair in your ear canals and that stops wax from moving out. Um, if you've got, again, really narrow or abnormally shaped ear canals, that can stop wax moving out. Um, if you've got skin conditions, so eczema or psoriasis in your ears, um, and also if you wear hearing aids or use kind of inner earbuds quite a lot, that can stop wax from escaping out the ear. Um, so we've uh, been really interested in this at the moment because um, a lot of people are telling us that GP services are not providing this anymore um, and it's causing quite a few problems. Um, so we've been doing a bit of research into it um, and last year we um, surveyed uh, lots of people that were experiencing problems about their ability to access wax removal services, how to manage wax buildup, and also the impact this was having. Um, so as a consequence, a lot of people experience, uh, said they experienced hearing loss, so 73% of people. Um, quite a few people experienced tinnitus, um, and um, other people also experienced kind of earache and pain as well. Um, so it can cause quite a few symptoms, but it can also have some other impacts as well. So I mentioned people who wear hearing aids, um, and if you go to audiology quite frequently, so if you need to have your hearing tested or someone needs to look in your ear, um, having a lot of wax can actually um, either prevent uh, or kind of delay your care because we can't, if we need to say take an impression of your ear, which involves putting some putty in, we can't do that if there's loads of wax in there. So if people need audiology care, they're not able to access it with wax. Um, and then we know that hearing loss, if it's unaddressed, can also lead to social isolation and poor mental health. Um, and a lot of people who responded to our survey said that it was it was kind of having an impact in that way. Um, and some people even said that they were kind of unable to work due to wax buildup. So for something that kind of seems a bit insignificant or a bit gross, obviously we see all of those videos, it can actually have quite a profound impact on someone's day to day life as well. Um, so, yeah, there's um, there's quite a lot around wax that probably a lot of people don't know about but that's that's it kind of in a nutshell yeah absolutely me included I mean I didn't know there was different types of wax that's so interesting but yeah you're absolutely right Who, who'd have thought such a small like, you know a small thing like a build-up of earwax seems kind of insignificant to then go on to have even like social mental health um impact so it is really important um to to manage it of course and you touched on earwax removal services, which is something I'd like to chat a bit more about in a minute, but just kind of an age old question, earbuds, as in not your headphones, but um, the little sticks, big no-no, what's your professional opinion? Yes, they are a big no-no. So um, <laughs> yeah, in, in, in the short answer, the slightly longer answer is that um, uh, among audiologists and ENT surgeons, uh, even GPs as well, we have a saying that is 
don't put anything in your ear that's smaller than your elbow. Um, you might have heard that before, but it's absolutely true. Um, and this is because uh, anything that you put in there can actually push wax further in and make it more difficult to remove, make it take longer to come out, or even uh, in extreme cases, cause damage to the eardrum and the ear canal. And these are actually, um, so the skin of the ear canal and of the eardrum is really, really delicate. Um, and it can be actually quite painful if you cause any damage to it um, for in the, in the short term, but also in the longer term, it could, you could need to have, you know, further medical procedures to repair any damage. So essentially, yes, it, it is a big no-no. Um, but on kind of access to wax removal services, this is something we wanted to look at. Are people being driven to use these methods if they can't get wax removed at their GP, for example? So um, when we did our survey last year, it showed that people were not only using cotton buds or earbuds, but they're also using paper clips, hair grips, even toothpicks, which just really made me shudder when I was reading through the results. Um, and so it is, it's quite concerning that a lot of people are being kind of driven to use these, these kind of products. Um, there's also some products that kind of advertise the solutions online. Um, quite a few kind of viral things that I've seen. So, uh, which can, there's a kind of a twisty tool that doesn't look like it works. There's also things like, um, very tiny cameras that people can kind of put inside their ear to pick wax out. There's no evidence to say that these are safe or effective. Um, and it's just really concerning to see more people using these products, but we know that really the only safest way to remove wax is through a trained professional. So basically, try and as tempting as it might be, and you know, I know there's there's people that will still do it even though we say not to, but it's a really good idea to not put anything in your ear that's smaller than your elbow. <laughs> And that's the final word on the matter. Frankie says no <laughs> to earbuds. <laughs> um, yeah, the video, the one you're talking about, the where it's like a little camera and it's almost like a little scoop, that's the one I've seen online as well. And it just, yeah, it just seems kind of like a viral trend. So mo moving away from that and going into kind of the pro professional um, way to remove earwax. We know that lots of pharmacies um, pro provide these services, which could be another avenue for people to head to. But I just wondered, what are some of the pros and cons of these services, in your opinion? Yeah, so in many ways, it kind of makes a fair amount of sense to provide wax removal in a pharmacy setting. Um, and, you know, simply for a lot of people, it's really convenient. So um, at the moment, especially if there's no service being offered at a GP surgery, people could be referred to ear, nose and throat. So they might have to go to a hospital, which could be, you know, a couple of bus rides away when they could instead go to the pharmacy, which is around the corner. Um, so from a purely practical sense, makes a lot of sense, but also from a kind of treatment sense, for a lot of people, like the first line of treatment is eardrops at the moment. So um, these don't necessarily remove wax, but they can help to soften it. Um, so it might work its way out on its own, but if it doesn't, it makes it a lot easier for a professional to remove earwax if it's been softened beforehand. And obviously, where do you get these earwax softeners? From the pharmacy. So pharmacists can help kind of give general advice about using them. And then if it doesn't work, you kind of know where to go back. So it makes it a bit more of a kind of joined up service and hopefully a better experience for patients. However, um, we also know that um, not many pharmacists are able to kind of offer an NHS wax removal services. 
We know that there are some pilots that are kind of looking into integrating this, integrating wax removal into um, this at the moment. Um, so we're really interested to see how that works, but it's kind of ongoing right now. Um, and if they're not offering an NHS service, um, then people might have people will have to pay for wax removal. Um, and these kind of issues, the, there's always going to be issues with with private removal. The main one being cost. So um, through our research, we found that private wax removal is can be around fifty to hundred pounds, um, and twenty six percent of the people in our survey said this was unaffordable. Um, it's also important to remember that this isn't necessarily a one-off cost either. So some people have to have wax removed three to four times a year. Um, and that's um, significant anyway. Obviously, £400 is a significant amount of money, but obviously even more so in the current cost of living crisis. Um, another reason why it, reason it might not work so well is that if someone obviously needs onward referral, um, many people will, especially if they've got hearing loss, um, they'll have to go back to their GP, so it might not join up as easily there. And then also pharmacists aren't necessarily trained in identifying abnormalities with the anatomy of the ear, um, and so they might need a little bit more support. So not like um, uh, audiology or ENT who know how to kind of identify any abnormalities. Pharmacy uh, colleagues may need a bit more support in identifying kind of anything that looks a bit unusual to help with onward referral. Um, and as I said, some of these problems aren't necessarily specific to pharmacy. Um, and it could be said about other places that deliver wax removal, but it's important to kind of consider consider this when, when looking at where we could offer, where would be the best place to offer wax removal for people. Yeah, absolutely. All to take into consideration, especially pharmacies considering about taking up the service as well. So that's really useful. Thank you. And we've mentioned a couple of times about um, hearing loss. So that's we're going to talk about kind of someone who's born who can hear and then their hearing kind of they lose over time, um, which can be obviously a real challenge. Um, especially um, this is quite common for older people um, who may be facing kind of other issues at the same time. So what are the ways in which you think pharmacy teams could help um, the, this group of people with, with who are facing he uh, hearing loss? That's a really, really great question. Um, and it's important to remember that uh, the kind of You've said that it can be a challenge for older people hearing loss um, and that it's it we know that the risk of developing hearing loss increases as you get older so around 40 percent of over 50s have some level of hearing loss but this rises to around 70 percent of over 70s so the majority of, of patients and customers coming in over the age of 70 will have some level of hearing loss um, and there's probably kind of three important things that pharmacies could be could be doing to help this group of people. Um, one is signposting to um, get their hearing checked if they're not sure. So we also know that despite there being this kind of large group of people that have hearing loss, it actually takes people quite a long time to first seek help, um, longer than they probably should. And so um, it's really, really important to, to kind of get your hearing checked when you first start experiencing the signs. So pharmacies could help by, you know, we are an ID, we've got an online hearing check um, that can um, 
kind of act as that first step. It takes about three minutes, it's really quick, um, and it just tells you if you're likely to have the signs of hearing loss or not, and then what you can do next. So that's a really kind of great tool to signpost to. But obviously also signposting to the GP if they've got any other kind of symptoms like tinnitus, recurrent infections, um, any kind of balance problems as well. Um, the kind of the second really, really important thing to do is to be aware of different access needs that this group might have and making the pharmacy accessible. Of course, this is actually required under law in England, um, but things like providing alternative contact methods, so not just having a phone number um, and also meeting people's communication needs and requirements. So if somebody is really having an issue understanding you wearing a, wearing a mask, we know this is a problem and it's a, it's a really difficult one to solve. But there are um, uh, kind of clear masks that are available now. Um, a lot of people with hearing loss need to uh, lip read or kind of see someone's face to understand facial expression as well to help with communication. Um, obviously, if that's not possible, there are other things that people can do as well. So if somebody needs something written down, especially, you know, uh, things like uh, instructions for how to take a medicine, um, obviously they should hopefully get that information from their GP as well. But if you're getting something over the counter, it could be really helpful to have um, those kind of instructions rather than just kind of saying it and that being lost in translation as well. Um, being just deaf aware, we've got quite a few different resources for health and care professionals on our website about how to make um, different health and social care settings accessible. Um, so I'd recommend having a look at that and, and just kind of seeing different tips. So one of the kind of big problems that people with hearing loss often have um, in health and social care settings is just kind of someone coming out of a room and calling a name and then walking back into the room and then being worried that they've missed their appointment or they've missed someone calling their name. So um, thinking of you know ways that you can work around that, especially if you know the person that you're, say, getting a prescription for has hearing loss. If, is there somewhere they can wait specifically to kind of ease that anxiety? Because it can cause quite a lot of anxiety to people if they're thinking that they're missing something really important, you know, within healthcare. And then the last thing um, is, is kind of like a recommend, recommendation for all people as well, but promoting good hearing health. So that's includes getting your hearing tested if you're not sure but also um, being aware of the risks that uh, loud noise can pose on, on, on your hearing. So noise induced hearing loss is the most um, preventable cause of hearing loss but it's also the second biggest cause of hearing loss um, and having information around um, around you know knowing what to do uh, for um, an advice to give around that is is probably a really really helpful thing to have um, for people just to kind of promote good hearing health to ensure that people are able to kind of use have their hearing for as long as they can um, so those are probably the three bigger things there's loads and loads of things that pharmacies can do and we've got some good information on our website as well Thank you. We'll definitely include a link to the website in the show notes, listeners, if so you can go and find more information there. And um, equally, I know on the RNID website that there's some amazing resources about the campaigns that you guys are running at the minute, which I was just having a, looking, a look at earlier today. So Frankie, would you be able to tell me about some of these because they look fab? Yeah, of course. So we've got... Um 
we campaign on loads of different areas. I mainly work in a lot of our health campaigns because of my background, but we also campaign around inclusion um, and employment. So uh, one of the kind of big things that we, we did last year was in uh, collaboration with uh, some other deaf charities was um, uh, ensure the BSL Act got passed. So to recognize British Sign Language as a language in England, which was really, really amazing. Um, and there's some more information about that, obviously, on our website. Um, but I also just want to talk a little bit more about more of the health campaigns that we do, because I'm, I'm really, really close to them. So I mentioned our, our wax removal work that we've been doing. Obviously, we've been talking about it a lot. Um, we published a report on our survey uh, late last year, so November in 22, um, called Access Blocks. Um, and in this, we've kind of we we want to kind of see a solution because we know that it's a huge problem for people, and we've kind of made some recommendations from this. So at the moment, we want to see fully funded earwax removal services, as recommended by Nice in primary and community care settings. Um, we want to see kind of clear information on the best way to manage wax being kind of published and disseminated not only to the public but also to kind of any professional that might be needing to give this advice out. Um, and then we also want to see um, local health authorities uh, looking at ways to um, different ways to deliver the service as well, because we're not completely um, naive in thinking that this is just gonna, this can just go back into GPs. We know GPs are really, really busy at the moment. Um, so is there a better place that this service could be delivered? I mentioned the um, pilot and pharmacies. So. Are there more pilots like that that could be done? If they work, can we kind of promote those to other health authorities um, to you know, make sure that this service is provided to more people? Um, so that's our WAX campaign. Another campaign that we've been working on is around checking your hearing. So I mentioned earlier as well that we know that people take a long time to seek help for hearing loss. Um, and it's really important that people kind of check their hearing uh, kind of see it as, as, you know, as easy as checking your eyes or checking your teeth. It's something that you just do, um, because at the moment, we're not sure that that is the case. Um, so we've launched our hearing check to kind of be a really useful tool to help people take that first step. And this is because um, not only is hearing loss when it's unmanaged associated with social isolation, you know, poor mental health, problems kind of staying in or getting employment, but there is a growing body of evidence that um, hearing loss, uh, unmanaged hearing loss is associated with dementia. Um, so there was a big report by The Lancet that uh, came out a few years ago that said that hearing loss is the largest, what they call potentially modifiable risk factor for dementia. We don't know what exactly what the link is, but it's thought that if people took steps to manage their hearing, it could reduce their overall risk of developing dementia. Um, and we're seeing more evidence all the time um, to suggest that uh, hearing aids could, not necessarily can, but could be a way to kind of help reduce that risk. Um, and there's some, been some really good evidence to show that they can reduce the risk of developing cognitive decline, um, which is sort of like a precursor to dementia. So we basically, we want to basically see hearing checks, looking after your hearing health as something that's kind of as important as looking after your eyes and your teeth. And so that's some of the work that we've been doing around that uh, in the last few months. That's absolutely amazing. And finally, um, where can people access all this amazing 
um, information? How can they get involved? And is there signposting to any other um, kind of resources that you'd like to share? Yeah, so of course, I'm going to mention our website. So uh, rnid.org.uk. We've got loads of information about all sorts of things on there, obviously our campaigns, but also any kind of health information or information about getting your hearing tested. That's all there. You can also contact us directly as well. So if you've got any specific questions, you can contact us by email, phone, live chat. Um, Information about that is on our website too. Um, We also run in some areas kind of... um, local services uh, so these are for people that might have hearing aids and need some more uh, need some help but they're also they also provide information for people that just want to know a bit more and in some areas we're also providing in-person versions of our online hearing check as well um, so if you if you know someone that can't access it online um, that's a, a place where you can you can go get it done in person too um, so yeah thank you so much Frankie. Thank you very, very much for having me. It's great to chat. Thank you so much to Frankie. Next up, we have Millie and all things on accessibility. As well as helping customers with their ear health, it's important that pharmacies are as inclusive as possible for any deaf patients. Awareness surrounding hearing loss and deafness has shot up in recent years, particularly with the addition of deaf contestants on shows such as Love Island and Strictly Come Dancing. In most of the pharmacy sector, however, there is still much to be done. If they have the time, pharmacy staff could consider learning basic sign language, especially if you know you have regular deaf customers. To find out more about this and try out some of the courses, visit www.british-sign.co.uk. Learning another language can be time-consuming, and with the current climate of staff shortages and underfunding, the Deaf Health charity SignHealth offer other main tips for communications with deaf patients. Number one, if you know a deaf patient is coming in, where possible, make sure to book an interpreter. A patient should not use a friend or family member to interpret for them. They will not know medical jargon or be trained to interpret health information. But most importantly, your patient will have no independence or privacy if a friend or family member accompanies them. Number two, make sure to talk directly to your patient, not to the person interpreting for them. Number three, make sure you have your patient's attention before talking. They will need to be able to see the interpreter as well as you. Number four, make sure to maintain eye contact whilst communicating. Don't talk to your patient whilst distracted by any other task in the pharmacy and make sure to avoid covering your mouth with your hands or any paper. Number five, use normal lip movement. Make sure not to over-exaggerate each word or mumble as this can make it difficult to lip read. Number six, speak at a normal volume. If the patient is wearing hearing aids, shouting can make them even more uncomfortable. Number seven, make sure the pharmacy is well lit so that the patient can see your face clearly. Number eight, speak in plain English at a normal speed. Number nine, use written notes or diagrams if you're having difficulty explaining something. Or if your patient still doesn't understand you, try to think of a different way to explain yourself rather than repeating the same words again. Number 10, use gestures and facial expressions to help explain yourself. For example, show with your face if something is painful, scary or nothing to worry about. Number 11, similarly, point to parts of the body if necessary when explaining something to your patient. And number 12, make sure to keep checking you're being understood. Sign Health also offer a health video library, which pharmacy teams can access and signpost customers to. 
This includes specific medical terminology and information in BSL to aid conversations in a healthcare setting. Split into four main sections of the mind, the body, first aid and domestic abuse, these videos can be used to make sure deaf customers have a thorough understanding of any health conditions they may face. Furthermore, pharmacy staff could download and signpost patients to speech-to-text smartphone apps to aid communication. In a healthcare setting, the most popular app is Relay UK. The app can be downloaded to a mobile tablet or PC and only requires a user to pay normal call charges, nothing for the service itself. A typical call using Relay UK involves a deaf or speech-impaired person typing, a Relay assistant talking and a hearing person listening. In reverse, that would be a hearing person talking, a relay assistant typing, and a deaf or speech-impaired person reading. To find out more, visit relayuk.bt.com. Thank you so much again to Millie and, of course, Frankie and the RNID. Please check out our show notes to find links to the helpful resources we have mentioned, and I do hope you too can work to make your pharmacy more accessible for everyone. Or perhaps you already are and have some innovative ideas that we haven't mentioned. If you do, please get in touch and tell us all about them at tm at 1530.com. That's it from me for now. And remember, nothing bigger than an elbow in those ears, people. Thank you for listening. I'm Monica West, and this is Category Insight.